and speaking truth to power and saying to the state, hey, no, you're not going to like take advantage of us. And we know and we're educated and we're coming and we're coming in numbers and we are going to call abuse abuse. This is something that actually like is holding our own state accountable. And, and if we act and we do this and we apply for this thing, this is something that we can do. This is a way in which we can we can speak truth to power, even if it isn't, you know, in the ways that we wish we could. Hey, this is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm your host, Amber Castillo. Black Lives Matter protesters who participated in demonstrations in New York City in the summer of 2020 are now at the center of what is considered the largest protest settlement in history. Nearly 1,400 individuals are now eligible to receive $9,950 each. But a critical deadline looms. Protesters have until January 22nd to file their claim, after which any unclaimed funds will return to the city coffers. This situation raises urgent questions about awareness, access, and the broader impact of such settlements. Today, Eliana Perozo talks to Epicenter NYC's Danielle Hyams to explore the nuances of the Sao versus the City of New York lawsuit, understanding the intricacies and the stakes involved. Eliana was arrested on June 2nd, 2020 during a protest and filed her own claim in under 60 seconds. Now, she wants more people to do the same. I was hoping that you could tell me a little bit about your time as a protester and what you saw that's contributed to this settlement taking place. Officers um, abusing their power as people meant to protect to a degree, um, really elicit fear and anger. Um, I was, you know, personally was cussed at. Um, I was bruised, I was hit, um, I was shoved, I was pushed down. I witnessed officers mock COVID regulations um, when those of us that had been arrested asked for masks during the summer of 2020 and, and um, you know, no, no um, attention or detail given to the need for restroom or water um, or food um, or any kind of medical attention given to those that were bloody when I was both arrested and in the precinct um, and also when I did jail support uh, the night of the Mott Haven protest and was out till 6 a.m. and watched people be released, um, still covered in blood, tell me that they'd asked for masks and been laughed at. Can you tell me a bit about what it's like to cover the protests since they happened? You wrote for us, I think it was about nine months or a year ago, about a different settlement. I think two things. I think one, I, for example, when I got the email most recently about the settlement, was really disappointed to know that I had gotten this email from Elena Cohen, who was giving all of this information in this detail, and to know that nobody has reported on this protest since the, the, the latest settlement um, in, a, in a minute, and nobody that reported reported it in regards to giving information to those most those affected arrestees. It was only reported as like a headline, a top news story. I personally didn't really want to fully write the story most recently in December that came out. I just, it needed to be done. And at the time, um, there was still, there was a little over 50% of people who had not submitted for their settlement. And it felt really, really imperative to do anything possible to help those people get, just to be educated and knowledgeable about the settlement. Um, It's been hard. It's been really hard and it's been painful to 
do this reporting. It's I've had I've listened to people um, who have you know essentially I'm asking people to tell me the story of, of one of the most traumatic days of their life again. And while I know my intentions are rooted in wanting to help others, it's still really painful to both do that and then to have my own uh, trauma around that summer be brought up by by this reporting. It, it also feels really important. I think because of I was somebody who was present that summer. Uh, I can see in articles that I've read, you know, particularly the article that came out by the New York Times in March 2023, um, just how there were no, again, no details were reported on in regards to like how arrestees could would, could get information. And in March 2023 is when the first settlement was announced, the Mont Haven settlement, which was, you know, 20,000 for a much smaller number of people. You know, a few months after that, I held a community event with attorney Wiley Stecklow and activist Savitra D. And altogether, we had about 12 people come to that in between people who were online and people in person. Um, and people were frightened. People were afraid, uh, you know, and that's, that's a big thing with settlements is people don't really trust them and also... Given the fact that, you know, we were the, re- the reasons why people were arrested, um, it was really frightening for people to really believe anything that they saw online. One and two, not many people were reporting on it for the actual arrestees at all. Um, it was just top news. And so, so yeah, I think I, I, as somebody who was most affected, knew kind of like and existed in, in communities that were helping and supporting that summer in regards to jail support. Like I knew, okay, I kind of have an idea of what questions need to be asked um, and I kind of have an idea of like what concerns the community has and I and I use that kind of end to ask people more and more questions and what would be best helpful and so then you know I, I decided to bring in an expert which is when I reached out to Wiley who had actually emailed me three years prior um, and asked me if I would if I would be interested in filing a suit before there was even a settlement for Mott Haven and I said no but I connected him to three friends who did who were with me that night. Um, and so three years later, I reached out to him and said, hey, would you come in as an expert to a, a, a community center and help kind of explain to people what the settlement looks like and how to apply and how they, sh- how they shouldn't be afraid of the police? And he said, yeah, I will. And you said roughly 40% of eligible protesters still haven't applied. Correct. And is that due to a mix of both fear and just lack of information? Actually, um, no. I think when I interviewed um, Ben Myers and like Elena Cohen, I learned that that actually um, the number that they're at, sixty percent, is a huge number. And there's been like just an abundance of outreach. And I mean, I know because I've received that outreach myself. I do think that a lot of people don't take settlement seriously. I think I think there's not enough conversation about it in the media. I think that there's been this is a huge fail on journalism, like local journalism and community journalism. Um, And because more people aren't saying, hey, this is important. Hey, you should do this. People aren't really sure. You know, like lawyers can email you, but people don't really trust. You don't hear from lawyers who you who you hear from are are journalists and people in the news. Um, And so I honestly think that if there's anybody responsible for why more people haven't been applying, it's because of, of, of journalists and of people, folks that should be getting the word out. And what do you want people to know, people who might be eligible for this settlement? I want people to know, So I'm so glad actually, Danielle, that you called me and we're having this because I think what the settlement does is it's on the record. It is a tiny, tiny way that the people and community can hold the NYPD and the powers that be in New York City accountable. And it feels really important, you know, when I spoke with Atlanta and she, she informed me that the 
the percentage of people who applied for the settlement after um, the RNC convention in 2004, you know, that was a huge protest, was 30%. Uh, we're at 60%. I mean, if we got close to 80 or 90%, it would be a testament to um, how organized folks on, on the left are and how committed we are to um, the equity that everybody deserves. And in this case, it was specifically about Black Lives Matter. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's tethered to what's happening right now uh, internationally and, the fa- and, and, and speaking truth to power and saying to the state, hey, no, you're not going to, like, take advantage of us. And we know... And we're educated and we're coming and we're coming in numbers and we are going to call abuse abuse. And so I think like what it would mean and what I want people to know is that if they don't want to, you know, apply for whatever reason, that's fine. I just want people to know that they can and they don't need to be afraid and that it is really easy. And that in a time where I know that a lot of organizers, I myself having having a background in organizing, are getting tired and feel burnt out. It feels like helpless. It's like this is something that actually like is holding our own state accountable and and if we act and we do this and we apply for this thing this is something that we can do this is a way in which we can we can we can speak truth to power even if it isn't you know in the ways that we wish we could the three main protests that have the highest number of unsubmitted claims are the may 29th protests at barclays center the june 2nd protests at union square and the june 3rd protests on the upper east side If you need to file a claim or want to find out if you're eligible, click the link in our show notes or visit nyc2020protestsettlement.com. You can also reach out to Elena Cohen and Ben Myers for assistance by emailing them at sow-settlement at proton.me. Cohen and Myers are two of the 15 lawyers working on this settlement. That's all for today. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. For more stories like this, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at epicenter-nyc.com. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Caravica. You can find more of their music on their website, linked to in our podcast description.